0: It's been a long road getting from there to here. No, it really hasn't. I've... No, we're not singing that again. Yes, it's been a long. No, time. Jen, I don't think you understand. We're not ever, ever singing that again. Look what we've created—a monster, a monster. He I tell keeps you,
1: playing it.
0: I know. He likes
1: it. People like us. They think it's funny.
2: I know it is very funny, but that's not all we but are. My time is okay. <laughs> This is Angela, (laughs) and that's Jen.
1: And you've been listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. With our friend Rico. We forgot to say we're from the Anomaly Podcast. (laughs) Doe Crap.
2: Yes, of course, that's Angela and Jen from uh, the Anomaly Podcast over at AnomalyPodcast.com. Hey, everyone, welcome to Trex and Sci-Fi, another weekly dose of Sci fi and geeky goodness. I'm glad you're with me this week once more. Or if you're new, welcome. This show is, uh, this will be podcast 180. It is June the 29th, 2008. And I hope I don't sound too nasally, but um, we've got the air conditioning on. It got a little warmer here in Michigan. And I don't know, sometimes air conditioning kind of bugs me. But anyway, uh, we will uh, continue on. This week, uh, going to have a really great show, lots of cool stuff in it. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, the big feature will be uh, a look at the, uh, it's the sixth, sixth season, say that uh, fast, sixth season episode from The Next Generation. This episode I'm going to look at today is a, a big favorite, I think, among a lot of uh, Trek fans. It's called Tapestry, uh, featuring Q and Picard, and a really cool episode, so. And I'm going to look at a full uh, episode commentary. We're going to play the whole thing for you, so that should be fun. And we've got some uh, Trek and other sci-fi news, a few comments about some movies I've seen recently, and, and probably a collectible at the end, hopefully, if we don't run out of time. So, uh, And we've got some good contributions from some listeners. So, again, it's, a, it's going to be a very packed full show, probably a long one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the fun. Now, I do also want to mention that this week's show... I've started this little donation program, and we have got a lot of donators this week, so let me go through the list. Uh, this week's show donators are Andy Foster, Simon Meddings, Peter Foltz, Dan Martin, Richard Pete, Brian Dunn, Jeff Job, Ben Gallagas, Rob Scalise, uh Frederick Hauser, Hazer? I'm sorry if I'm saying any of your names wrong, I'm sure I am, but... Again, thanks a lot for uh, all of your donations. Uh, very much appreciated. I think I've got everyone on my list here, and if I missed anyone, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll catch you next week or or shoot me an email and say, "Hey Rico, what's the deal? I sent you I sent you a few bucks and you forgot about me." So sorry about that. I've got a little treat here to start the show with uh, musically. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Verda. I want to definitely credit him. He created his own little Star Trek music theme, sort of orchestra or. Orchestral, yeah, that's the right word. Orchestral, and his take on something that could possibly, uh, you know, if people were looking for some music to put in a new Star Trek movie, this sort of blends a lot of different Star Trek themes and musical cues from uh, the various series and movies and things like that. But I really like it a lot, and I'm going to probably be using it for a little while for the podcast uh, intro or wherever I feel I'd like to slide it in. Anyway, this is by Mike Verda. He's out in California. Here's his take on the Star Trek theme song, and I'll be right back. Fantastic, Mike Verda, that's his uh, version of a Star Trek theme song, and I just really think it's great. It blends a lot of different uh, elements, like I said earlier, about from the movies, the, the television series, especially I think there's kind of a obviously a strong emphasis on the original series theme in there, and it's just really fantastic. I hope they uh, come up with something appropriate like that for the Star Trek movie. I think they really need to come up with something that's, you know, really epic sounding, at least from what I've been hearing, what the movie's going to involve and sort of to re-energize the whole Star Trek series and franchise and movies and maybe a TV show sometime. I, I, I just think they need to go all out. So I hope they do something just as good or, or hopefully maybe even better.
3: What's going on in the world of sci-fi?
2: Well, let's first talk a little bit about uh, star trek and fan films it looks like there's a lot going on on uh, the star trek phase two front which was of course formerly star trek new voyages they've uh, got the blood and fire uh filming of course that's been done for a while that's their next episode or or tale i guess if you could call it uh that's supposed to come out uh it looks like they're gonna maybe split this up into a couple of different parts and should be out by late summer a couple of these films uh, uh maybe be premiering at some conventions first. Blood and Fire Part 1, it looks like we'll be doing that. Uh, they also are working on another one called Enemy Starfleet. They've got some guest stars again. Uh, Mar- um, who played um, Barbara Luna, excuse me, who played Lieutenant Marlena Monroe, who in the Mirror Mirror episode uh, is also going to guest again. Uh, she's in the, the Enemy Starfleet episode. They're also going to uh, promote checkoff from Ensign to Lieutenant, so that's kind of cool in there. They're trying to kind of bridge the gap between the original series and the motion picture, I think, in a way. Uh, we will see and watch how that uh, progresses. James Colley of course, heading up the whole Star Trek Phase 2 uh, production and uh, managed to get himself a little uh, cameo role in the new Star Trek movie as well. There's also an, a, a new—I uh, may have mentioned this, I think, probably before— uh, the, uh, the Farragut is— Going to be seen in a uh, the USS Farragut, the Starship is going to be seen in sort of a new animated series that a group is working on. I believe the website. Let me look real quick. It is just at www.farragut-animated.com. They're trying to recreate sort of the filmation Star Trek animated series look, but of course with new episodes, new stories. So check out their website. They're still shooting for. An end-of-the-year release for the first animated episode they're working on. You know, that's the amazing and great thing about how computer technology and film technology, you know, digital photography, video photography, and all that kind of thing, uh, and uh, computers, I guess, probably mainly, have made these fan productions, you know, quite possible these days. You know, these guys also spend a lot of their own money and their own time on these productions, and, I just think it's fantastic. I, I, I just I know when I was growing up, having these tools available to to play around with when I had a lot more time on my hands during the summers and things. I it's just uh, it would have been a great thing to to be able to use these things and make my own little movies and you know like I have uh, played on the the podcast way in the past. And if you're a fairly new listener, you know dig back through the. The archives in in the early episodes of uh, Treks in Sci-Fi, I, I we had recorded when I was growing up these uh, adventures of the Starship Aurora, my friends and I on on cassette tape these audio adventures. We wrote our own little scripts and acted out. Well, tried to act out, I should say. the the story that we had created. I thought the stories actually, I think that we wrote came out pretty good. You know, the ideas and the behind them and that. I I, I definitely think that you know our our production values and the sound. And our, our definitely our acting ability could have used a little work, but uh, I think the stories were fairly solid. So anyway, dig back. I think we made about six of those, so you could take a look for those. But now everyone can do this stuff on film, you know, and release it to the Internet and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's great, and, uh, uh, you know, the more Trek, the better is what I say. Well, there's not much on the actual Star Trek movie to report. Uh, there are some. Uh, there was a, a fairly new report that Ain't It Cool News.com. Uh, that's the Harry Knowles. Uh, you know, he used to be a big fan, and now he's become fairly big in entertainment world. Uh, there are some sp- sort of spoiler spy reports. He got a hold or got a chance to view some of the footage a little bit from the Star Trek movie. I've been hearing reports that they are sort of trying to put together a the first real movie trailer, of course, we had that little teaser trailer way back in January uh, that uh, we all got to see but didn't show a lot, Uh, and I I am, and I are, (laughs) I'm I'm hearing that they are putting together a real trailer with footage from the movie and things that should be coming out at some point, probably in the fall, I would guess. Uh, I haven't heard any real details on that, but Anyway, Harry Knowles supposedly has gotten a hold and and gotten a chance to look at some of the footage. I have avoided reading any of it. Uh, You know, I know the basic premise of the movie, roughly. I just don't want to learn that much more. I mean, again, we're, uh, I don't know, now we're about 11 months, 10 months away now, I guess you could call it. 10 months? Let's see, May, do-do-do-do, do do a couple of, two months? Yeah, about 10 months away from when the movie will be coming out. So, I... it's going to be a long haul to get to that point and not, you know, know almost like the whole movie before we see it. So, I'm doing that. Uh, if you'd like to, though, just go over to anycoolnews.com, and I'm sure you can find out what he saw and what he thought about it. I, I doubt there was much spoilerish in it. I don't think. I don't think they would have allowed that because this wasn't like something he got a hold of. I, I guess it was actually uh, intended. They got they did show him a little bit on, you know, intentionally rather than. Somebody, you know, threw something up online that he got a hold of. But uh, check that out if you're interested. And uh, I think uh, that's about it for this. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention. I did see the new movie. It's not a truck related thing. But I did see the sort of, I guess you could call it, uh, genre, fantasy, a little sci-fi, I guess. The movie Wanted uh, uh, with James McAvoy, Angelina Jolie. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, It was a an amazing movie. I mean, it's very violent. It's rated R, but it's just got some cool stuff in it, some cool action scenes and effects. And the other thing that's sort of genre based about it is it's based on a a comic book series that I have just started to read. It was a fairly short comic series. I think they only did like six issues. Uh, Mark Miller and um, and many others worked on it, but. I started reading it last night, and there's there's quite a few differences uh, between the comic series and what they did in the movie. The, you know, There are a lot of similarities. There are some spots in the comic I'm noticing that they put right from the comic into the movie, but there's a pretty big difference between the overall uh, storyline, what was in the comic and what was in the movie. And I, I understand uh, when I'm reading it why they changed things quite a bit uh, for the movie, but I'm curious and wondering how people... That are really big fans of the comic, what they're going to think about the movie. I I will say I don't think they really could have done a movie with the the sort of basic idea that they put into the comic. It's 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 not really they're not really at all good guys in the comic. I guess is the way to put it. And. Uh, they're not that great in the in the movie either but uh in in the comic it's well i don't want to say too much more if you want to read it but there are a lot of differences but i understand why they did what they did this is one of those cases that i don't think they could have really taken it and translated it more closely to the comics i don't think it would have i don't think it would have been successful i don't think it would have really worked so that's just my take but the movie was some you know just i loved the movie and i think you can enjoy both on their own terms I'm just wondering if the comic, real strong comic fans of of this comic series, are going to be a little disappointed or not. So, hey, I'm going to take a short break from talking myself, have a little more of my green tea here, and we're going to play another musical segment. This is another Bear McCreary segment. Of course, he's the composer that works on Battlestar Galactica, which I'm missing badly. It's only been gone for a couple of weeks, but gosh, we've got I I think all the way till early 2009 before we're going to get the back half the last half of uh, the last season here, season four of BSG. So um, that's going to be a long wait for that. Uh, but anyway, we've got uh, Vartok. He's got uh, another musical segment uh, about Bear. and uh, Well, take it away. This is about seven minutes' His intro piece to it, and uh, I will sit back and listen with you. So uh, take it away, Vartok.
4: Hi everyone, this is Vartok again, with another music and sci-fi segment. For today's segment, I'm going to wrap up my three-part series about Bear McCreary, the composer of all the Battlestar Galactica music since the three-hour miniseries. In today's segment, I'm going to sample some of Season three's Battlestar Galactica music, and we will hear Bear talk about how certain members have their own themes, such as for President Rosalind, for Six, The Lady in Red, and for Admiral Adama. By the way, this track is track number three on the season three CD called Admiral and Commander. You may recognize it now as a thematic variation of Wander My Friends from season one and Reuniting the Fleet from the season two CD. If you recall from my earlier McCreary segments, Bear was classically trained. However, he loves to use lots of drums and other exotic instruments. Unlike many other sci-fi series, where the music all seems to be of the same genre, with lots of sweeping vistas and full orchestral sounds, Bear's music is quite different. It has lots of cultural sounds to it, in that you might hear themes that sound like they come from different parts of the world, whether from Scotland, the Middle East, or even Indonesia. Now let's hear Bear talk about his use of themes for the various characters in the series, including Admiral Adama
1: and President Roslyn. Each person has an individual theme? Yes. Boomer has an individual theme? Okay, so who's your favorite? Uh, Character or theme? Theme. i got to say it's the Adama Scottish theme, just because it's so resonant and so immediate. Everyone else, I would be amazed if even any Battlestar fan could tell me what all the themes are for each character because they're so subtle. For me, the President's theme is the the same as the Cobol theme, because she became Mm. this mystical leader and this prophet. And I start off with a theme when they discover Cobol, and the boy soprano sings his tune. And more and more, it started coming up as she's having these, you know, introspective moments. I started using it because she's having, at, at the time, certainly in the middle part of season two, I thought she was going delusional. Keep in mind, I don't get to read this. I right. I couldn't read the scripts. I You're choose not ride. to read the You're scripts.
5: you ride with uh yeah. So I
1: don't know what's coming next, and so she, you know, and so I start seeing her, you know, following these prophecies, and so it makes sense that this, you know, this theme for Kobol
6: mm-hmm.
1: um, would would continue. Honestly, after episode seven, when they leave the planet Kobol, at first I thought, well, I'll never use that theme again. Too bad. But then I thought about it, and and there will be places for it to come back.
4: In this next clip, Bear will talk about the lady in red. Or the Cylon known as Six, played by Tricia Helfer, and about how her theme presages her appearance.
6: The Lady in Red's theme.
1: Ah, um, yes. Because I watch, because I watch the episodes by myself first, and then I almost always end up hey, watching. Yeah, I don't want to know anything else. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to watch other people as they watch the show. Yeah. And every time that single note starts playing, yes, everyone slides forward on their seats. Yeah, every single person just slides into place. leaves a Pavlovian thing. Well, and also, and then I noticed it became the theme to the prologue. Yes, played before every episode. Well, I got it. Giving credit where it's due, that was all absolutely Richard's idea, and he came up with in the miniseries. I think that was one of the first things he wrote because it was obvious that her character was almost like this omnipresent narrator in a weird way, and certainly she's become the icon of of the show. Yeah, and um, and it does have a neat repetitive quality, and 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 we. Sometimes anticipate her arrival with the theme, and sometimes I, in the beginning I would say to the producers, "I'd be like, well, you know, this theme will start, and then 10 seconds later—not 10, but sometimes five or eight seconds later—then she'll appear on screen." I thought, "Well, we're kind of giving it away," but uh, they were, you know, they stuck by it, and I—I I see what they were doing. And now, when I watched it with people, also, it's the same thing—you hear it, and you do—you kind of go, "Something's happening," and then she'll lean into Baltar's ear, yeah. and it's—you
5: feel like that she's.
1: It's so like it, the whispering, you hear her breath like or something. Right right the the end of One of
4: the aspects of Bear's music that gives his music more of a military sound, without sounding like a John Philip Sousa march, is his use of bagpipes in the background. Now let's hear him talk about Admiral Adama's theme.
1: Well, for me, and even uh, Richard in the miniseries uses bagpipes. It- Albeit very subtle compared to the way we ended up using them on episode ten, mm-hmm. and he used it in the scene where uh, Apollo first hugs his father for the first time, and they have this father son reunion. Mm-hmm. Anybody that cues that up again, you'll hear this bagpipe flavor come up beneath mm. the strings and disappear. So, you know, in, in the mini from day wrong. one, and it was very subtle. Mm. And honestly, it was after we had the idea to to use it again in episode ten that I went back on. Uh, and hey, we've used this before, haven't we and then I realized oh it was when it was one father and son moment and lo and behold it's a father and son moment again and I think right. the reason that it is is that it, the bagpipes feel very warm and personal mm-hmm. but they also there's something kind of more noble and, and more and right military almost yeah. about it there's this like sort of well, noble big time yeah, yeah. so we bagpipes. have these two guys that have this strained relationship um you know they have this father son relationship that doesn't work they have the commander and you know, obedient soldier relationship that obviously doesn't work. Mm. Um, it seemed to make sense. And so obviously at the, at the time when we were doing that, I thought to myself, this is a theme, this is a, something that's going to come back.
4: And now the poser for later in this podcast. There are a total of 74 tracks on seasons 1, 2, and 3 CD. When you sum them all up, yet there is one track out of those 74 tracks that is different from all the rest. Can you guess what makes that track unique? Stay tuned, and I'll be back with the answer later in this and Sci-Fi podcast.
2: Thanks, Vartok, for that uh, interesting take. Uh, I didn't realize he had these different themes uh, for the different characters very much. I mean, you you sort of notice it a little bit, but like uh, he says in the uh, interview and discussion there, it's, it's very subtle, and uh, I'll have to watch for that more often when BSG comes back or when I watch some of the... Uh, Reruns on DVD. So thanks again, and uh, we'll be playing the answer part of that segment later in the podcast. Okay, just a few little housekeeping bits of things uh, before we get into the uh, the episode tapestry here. Uh, the first one, you know, as always, uh, you can contact uh, the podcast at uh, TrekSF at gmail.com dot com or two zero six 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 six. Sorry, two zero six 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 66127 and send a voicemail and haven't had one of those in a while so check out that uh, voicemail line and uh, you know leave a comment about a book, movie, TV show or something uh, I just uh, wanted to mention that before I forgot uh, also the the thing on the donations again uh, I've been trying to get uh, people there's just a little $5 uh sponsorship sponsorship program for the podcast you can find out about that if you just uh, go to the main treks in sci-fi website sci-fi.com. there's a little monopoly money $5 uh kind of picture up in the upper right corner click on that and uh you can PayPal in $5 uh help support the podcast the website uh, costs and all of that uh, I'd really appreciate it and uh I think that's all about uh, I've got to say housekeeping and business and whatever you want to call it uh you know always check out the main website and also if you're not a member on the forums though I'll, that's what I wanted to say Go over to TrexinSciFi.com and click on the forums link and uh, check it out. We've got some new members, and we're always having a lot of fun over there with the RPG game. Uh, we've got a season kind of winding down now, and a new one will be starting up in a few weeks. So now is a good time to uh, to check out the forums. Well, I've got uh, a couple of uh, segments uh, or uh submissions i should say uh from the moyers this week for the episode uh tapestry rick moyer is a big fan of the episode and i didn't want to play both of these at the end of uh you know my look and my uh commentary during watching uh tapestry so we're gonna play uh one now and one at the end uh to sort of split them up uh uh, but uh, uh, this one is really going to get you pumped up, I think, and uh, hopefully uh, it'll still be fun to listen to my commentary on, as I play the, uh, the DVD. But uh, Rick created an, a fun song uh, related to the episode Tapestry from TNG, and I think probably most of the people listening already know this episode, so it's not going to be anything like a spoiler as I go through it at all. But uh, anyway, here's uh, his take uh, uh, with a song uh, related to Tapestry. The name of his song here is called Humans Playing Dom Jot. So, well, just take it away, Rick.
6: Well down on the planet, you took a shot to your heart. Woke up in the ever after, cause cute it was artificial Cause years ago you lost it when you didn't play official Humans playing dumb John Just some humans playing dumb John Humans playing dumb John The masochist way I got a chance to do it over cue. doesn't fight fair But he owed you a favor your your derriere I'm recording And your friend Named Marty Also this time You could Sort of At the party Humans playing Dumb shot Just some humans Playing Dumb shot
1: Humans
6: playing Kissing on a friend who made her rather blue She's a luck picker, she's half as young as you When the Nausicaans threaten to kill your friends from the start You smack them in the face, but they stab you in the heart Kill when Dom John Come on!
2: and amazing as always mr moyer thank you very much rick for that uh, great take uh, and way to work in uh this episode tapestry into a <laughs> a song i would have never guessed you would use for that so uh great song uh, again and uh you need to put out a cd there's no question we've been talking about that on the forums uh everyone's trying to encourage rick to uh put all these songs together onto a little cd and uh i think uh i think it would do well so anyway um at least we would buy it, I'm sure. The uh, Let's get into the episode, Tapestry. Hey, let's just start playing it, and I uh, will talk as we go. So here we go with uh, the sixth season episode uh, featuring Q and Picard. Uh, and uh, just a great episode. I'm going to really enjoy looking at it and talking about it with you. So here comes Tapestry.
0: Bring your stasis units in here and have them online. Let's talk you. Tell Dr. Salar she can use Ward 3 for the ambulatory patients, and I'll stay here.
2: Transporter room 4 to sickbay. They're coming in now.
0: Acknowledge. Stand clear and be ready.
4: All right, let's go, let's go.
2: Get him up Of course, this starts out in uh, sick bay and Picard's been uh, badly the injured. The attacked us outside of the conference room.
0: He's in cardiac arrest. Connect the pulmonary support unit.
2: Pretty awesome uh, chest here energy. on uh, the captain. The
0: bioregulator of his artificial heart has been fused. He's got liver and spleen damage. What kind of weapon caused this?
3: A compressed terion beam.
0: 40 cc's anaprovaline. The activity in the isocortex is falling, cortical stimulators. Now. again His respiratory system is shutting down.
2: Now they have the, the, the classic the of court, like overhead shot it. uh of uh, well, you yeah, uh, a sense big sense. bright white light. This is uh again episode from the 6th sixth, 6th sixth season and uh Card sees this man in uh, white robes, and it's
6: not who we'd expect, perhaps.
7: Welcome to the afterlife, Jean-Luc. You're dead. Uh-oh.
2: Okay, like I had uh, said earlier, we're gonna go through this one the whole, uh, do the whole commentary. It's a little, in a way, more fun, and I think for me, and, and a little easier. Uh, we'll probably be doing some clip shows too at some point, uh, again. But, uh, but this week, no, we're gonna do the whole thing, and uh, I think this is a great episode to look at anyway. The whole, uh, whole way through, I would have had a hard time picking and choosing clips for this one. So that goes into a little bit of my uh, decision. It's anyway, this episode, tapestry, uh, sixth season episode, uh, first aired the week of to February fifteenth,
8: nineteen
2: ninety-three. Start date unknown. Production number two hundred and forty-one for TNG. Remember that they started, I believe, at like production number one hundred. So this is actually like episode like one hundred and forty or one hundred and forty-one uh what else uh directed by les landau uh, a season director uh for tng and written uh the story script well basically the script i should say the story has got an interesting history and i'll go through that a little bit the script though is by ron moore of course uh who wrote many great tng episodes and is now of course the uh, one of the guiding forces uh him and David Icke over on Battlestar Galactica. So uh, Ron Moore here, uh, a great episode for TNG and a, and a real uh, big insight into Picard's character. Okay, so now we're back into uh, the episode.
8: Q, what is going on? Q
2: sitting there, you know, you, with his little smug look as he usually has. This John, John Delancey's Q is just. Oh, he's great. I'm God.
7: You are not God. Blasphemy. You're lucky I don't cast you out or smite you or something. <laughs> the bottom line. Is I like that. Your life ended about five minutes ago, under the inept ministrations of Dr. Beverly Crusher.
8: No. I am not dead. Because I refuse to believe that the afterlife is run by you. The universe is not so badly designed
7: Very well If you really require more evidence Of your post-mortem status I guess I'll just have to provide you some Jean-Luc I told you not to go running off To that academy Father I told you that Starfleet Would bring you to a bad end But you wouldn't listen
8: Now look at you Dead Before your time Q, enough of this. Enough what? Why couldn't you have listened? This? this is a uh, Clive you Church. Know here that I playing, was working uh, for Karen's your best father, interest
7: Maurice. You stop this. After all these years, even now, you manage to disappoint me, Jean Luc. He's not the only one who would like to have a word with you. Why, Jean
0: Luc? Why did you do it? Captain,
4: there are still people down there. We can't abandon... There must be some other way, Captain. Some other choice of firing on boarding you. If you continue on this course, a direct hit, sir, The ship is destroyed
7: These are the voices of all the people you've killed throughout the years. Oh, I've killed? What do you mean? Death has made you a little dim, Jean-Luc. These are the voices of all the people who have died through your actions or your inactions. Now, if you have any words of apology or regret, I believe they're all listening you are a surly bunch, actually, so I wouldn't drag this out too long. I have no intention of performing for your amusement. This is not for me. This is for you, Jean-Luc. This is your opportunity to make peace with your sordid past. I find it hard to believe that you are doing this for the benefit of my soul. Well, now that you've shuffled off the mortal coil, we're free to spend a little time together. A little time together? How much? Eternity. Now, you're sure you have no... Regrets or feelings of guilt about your former life? I mean, I can't have you whining and complaining through time.
8: If I'm really dead, then my only regret is dying
2: and finding you here. <laughs>
8: you wound me, Jean-Luc.
7: After uh,
2: all, I was
8: not the cause of your death. It's
7: a
2: great, great scenes with this these one. two. Just just the two of them, no real set, just, just going at it.
7: Is that your artificial heart? He might have lived if you had a real one, instead of this unreliable piece of technology. By the way, how did you lose yours anyway?
8: A mistake. Is that a regret I hear? I regret many things from those days.
7: Really?
6: Ah!
2: Now they pan over, and Picard, uh, younger Picard is fighting a, a big, big Nausicaan guy. He always looked to me like the Predator a little bit. Doing okay for a little while until there's a couple of them. Then he gets a knife through the heart, through the back of his, uh, through his back, through his chest. <laughs> I like his reaction. He kind of giggles and smiles almost. It wasn't
7: very down. smart of you to take on three Nosigans, was it? No, it wasn't. And did I hear a laugh? It's so unlike you, Jean-Luc, to have a sense of humor. Especially about getting stabbed through the back. I
8: was a different person in those days. Arrogant, undisciplined. With far too much ego, far too little wisdom. I was more like you.
7: and you must have been far more interesting. Pity you had to change.
2: One of the interesting things the about this, reading up on it a little bit, is the the blessed. contrast between Kirk and Picard. You know, I Kirk started, started out in the Academy. He was always uh, started it because rumored to, to be a very, like, bookwormish character, and he later on became sort of a maverick captain in that. And response, Picard kind of went the opposite days, way. He, he was more of a maverick uh, a hellion and all and that when he was in from the academy and in his earlier Starfleet days, and he matured into so, a more disciplined, more thoughtful again? captain later on.
8: Things will be different.
2: Now there's a quick little sort of uh, change, and Picard is uh, sort of back <laughs> in the past at this point.
0: <laughs>
5: Nicely done. Cortland. <laughs> <Gordon. laughs> Cortland as well, I. Yes. <laughs> Boy, she must have hit you pretty hard. Of course she deserved it.
0: Slowing down there, Johnny. You should have seen that one coming.
2: Lots of botanities. Are you okay? They're all in these old yeah, style uh, uniforms uh, uh, that they were seen just at, you know, in the movies, the Trek uh, original cast Come on, movies. He's just for now. They have slightly different collars on uh, without yeah, that raised thing, but they you did coming? keep the color scheme uh, kind of there. You know, uh, white for command, uh, this sort of yellow, orangish color you sure for, okay? for the technical yes, areas, fine. and then sort really of a gray blue kind of thing for the science area.
0: That's it, isn't it? You are incorrigible.
2: A couple of uh, actors there: Ned Vaughn is playing the the ensign Corton character, and ensign Marta. Attention uh, on J. deck, Brandy. ensign Picard.
7: Q. That's Captain Q to you, Captain Jugman. Q. What is the point of creating this fantasy? This is no fantasy, I assure you. It's all very real. You're 21 years old again. A brash young man, fresh out of the academy.
8: Suddenly don't look it. Well, do everyone else you do. So, Q, I thought you told me that I was dead. Now it seems that I'm alive. Are you mortals or so,
2: oh, too? This is also, this whole storyline is based sort of on concert. a premise they had floating I, I around in in with the writers on and TNG to, to do sort of a Christmas the carol. You can, can see here. this is very much like a Christmas carol, showing your past lives, your past moment, life, and the decisions what and the choices that you've made, made that brought you to a certain point in time. They really wanted to do a story like this for a lot of seasons for a long time, and they decided to finally do it.
8: Even if you have been able to bring me back in time, somehow, surely you must realize that any alteration in this timeline will have a profound impact on the future. Please, spare me your
7: egotistical musings on your pivotal role in history. Nothing you do here will cause the Federation to collapse or galaxies to explode. To be blunt, (laughs) you're not that
8: important. I won't do it. I won't alter history. (laughs)
7: since you attach so much importance to the continuity of time. I will give you my personal guarantee that nothing you do here will end up hurting anyone or have an adverse effect on what you know of his history. The only thing at stake here is your life and your peace of mind. Now, whether you believe me or not, you are here. And you have a second chance. What you choose to do with it is entirely up to you.
8: you know where you are? Star Wars Earhart. We came here right after graduation... to await our first deep-space assignments. That's right. It's
7: two days before your unfortunate encounter with a Nosican sword. You have that long to make whatever changes you wish. If you can avoid getting stabbed through the heart this time which i doubt i will take you back to what you think of as the present and you will go on with your life with a real heart then i won't die of course you'll die it'll just be at a later time
8: what if i don't avoid the fight what if i won't make the changes then you die on the table and we
7: spend eternity together wonderful I'm glad you think
2: so. <laughs> Not much of a choice I'm there. curious about one
7: thing, Johnny. Why did that rather attractive woman strike you just now? Was it something you said?
8: Her name was Colina. And uh, I'd arranged to take her out today. And then she discovered that I had already made a second date with another woman called... Um, Penny and Colina was naturally upset I had no idea you were such a cad I'm impressed
2: <laughs> oh, Peter, what is Johnny. the time right now
3: 16 11 hours
8: in fact Penny is waiting for me right now <clears throat> well carry on
3: you're quiet today.
0: What happened to that dashing young ensign from last night? Mm? The one with the winning smile and the smooth talk about my eyes. <laughs> mm.
8: I'm, I'm just a little more contemplative.
0: Mm. And what are you contemplating?
8: Penny, um, do you think we could just talk for a while? I hardly know anything about you. Where you're from your interests uh, your last name
0: I come from Rigel my last name is Murak, and I like men in
2: uniform this actress here is uh, her name is Ray I think Norman I that's enough talking the, the strange thing to me is, is she seems quite a bit older he's supposed to be it's like 21 year old Jean-Luc I don't look
0: as attractive to you as I did last night
2: no no uh, not at all I think you're a very
8: handsome Handsome.
0: That's something you say to old ladies.
8: You're certainly not an old lady. I didn't want your pity.
2: Ah, Johnny. First he gets slapped, then he gets tossed with uh, a drink in his face. And, and now Q is the bartender. Penny
7: for your thoughts. <laughs>
8: You never told me you were such a ladies' man. I wasn't. I was a pure adolescent who allowed himself to be led by his hormones instead of his head. Looks like your friends know how to have fun.
7: You know how to take lessons.
6: Excuse me. (laughs)
2: <laughs> this uh, bar scene here, you know, where they're at, uh, is filled with all different kinds of aliens. You'll recognize from different TNG, of TNG episodes.
0: I thought you had a date.
2: Even from some of the she earlier episodes, too. Decided to leave. <laughs> they were very well, they tried hard not to put aliens that they hadn't actually met yet. You know, that they made <laughs> first contact with, like, for example, the Ferengi, which Thank shouldn't you. be seen here.
5: Thank you all. Thank you.
0: Very nice. I think you should forget about Starfleet and play Dom Jot for a living.
5: Uh, this is nothing. A little uh, trigonometry, some wrist action. It's kind of like a pool a table, but a lot you know, a different game. with bumpers.
2: Human. And a different shape to it. Dom Jot table. Now a big nosican comes over.
3: Hey, Dom Jot. Human.
2: Looks, still looks like Predator Guy to me.
5: Be persuaded to play one more game, Mm.
8: Corrie. Don't play him. Why? It'll cause trouble. He's a Norseigan. They can get very ill-tempered if they lose. So can I. No, Corrie, listen to me. This is a big mistake. Don't play him. What's gotten into you? Let's go.
7: I see you found your Norsican friend. You seem unimpaled so far. I'm sorry to disappoint you.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Get him Corey.
8: Let's do at Weller seems to be doing well. Better lose. The Norcan is cheating. Really? beginning to like these Nausicaans <laughs> history repeats itself Carter will figure it out later tonight and then he'll want revenge
7: and will you help your best friend avenge this injustice?
8: I did last time I rigged the table so that he would win in a rematch Picard you cheated I'm impressed it's a stupid mistake and Olskin didn't take kindly to losing, nor his friends. They were outraged. They wanted a fight. I gave them one.
7: It's a beautiful story. It gets you right here, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> uh, just, just any episode that has Picard and Hugo in the three notches above any other one, just for the interplay between them. Characters and actors, really, really well done. <laughs> now, of course, he's uh, the uh, Corey character <laughs> is losing, and Moskin's getting pretty uh, uh, happy about it. I guess you could say.
3: Domjot, human play, jot.
6: <laughs> I've seen so a lost. lot of jot a lot of places, and I've never seen the balls roll that well for anyone. So he was cheating. I'll bet you that he had some sort of magnetic device in his belt, it was controlling the balls.
0: It's terrible.
6: We got to get even.
0: what did you have in mind?
6: Well, we can do to him what he did to us.
8: Cheat. Only this time we rigged the table so his device will backfire on him. Corey, that won't solve anything.
6: They'll teach him that he can't go around cheating Starfleet officers.
8: All it'll do is provoke him. <laughs> and provoking a Norsegan is not a good idea. I can handle him. What if he's not alone? What if he brings some of his Norsegan friends I Maybe mean, just, it?
2: like, bring some of, well, like,
6: phasers I guess phasers that's when I'm gonna have, have to depend on my friends to help
2: me I out. don't know, you know, they're Starfleet Academy graduates. All You'd right, think they'd give him a, a phaser communicator Did you
8: start backing away from a good?
0: Fight?
2: You know, some some form well, of protection. Corey, we're, we're not cadets anymore; we're officers.
8: We should start to set a higher standard for ourselves.
0: It, it was a good idea, but let's just forget it, okay?
2: I also kind of thought that at point, you know, it, although back in this time frame, maybe not as much. But remember all the whole thing about money is not all that much of importance in this time period. At least in Picard's time, maybe earlier in his Starfleet, Starfleet career. What? But, you know, if money okay. isn't important, I, I guess it's the honor it, as, it's just aspect you'd of it. would so. be
0: the one plotting revenge. Huh.
8: Yes. That would have been more in character, wouldn't it?
0: Much. But I always suspected you had a hidden streak of responsibility somewhere.
8: Perhaps it's just that I'm getting older.
0: Maybe these bars are just starting to feel a little heavy Ensign Ensign Picard and Ensign Patenides Sounds weird, doesn't it?
8: It's gonna take some getting used to
0: It's too bad we can't get used to it together But the three of us I mean.
8: Oh, of course Come
2: Flowers, is there a John Luck Pickard here? <laughs> Q's got a bunch of roses he brought in.
0: From um, one of your conquests, no doubt.
2: Obviously, this, this girl here likes uh, I guess Picard some as well. Aren't going to change. For some reason, she seems familiar to me, too. I'm going to have to look her up on IMDb. JC Bright. Did I interrupt anything sorted? I hope.
8: No, Q, you did not. Pity. She's quite attractive. We were friends. Nothing more. Is that another regret, I hear? My, my. We're simply riddled with regrets about our youth now, aren't we? My friendship with Marta is not something that I regret. But you wish it had been more than just a friendship now, don't you?
7: Well, maybe you can change all that. Q, what is it you want? I thought you'd like to know that Mr. Zeller has decided not to take your advice. Isn't the bonus? This episode uh, brings out a lot
2: of things. I think there. um, One thing I wanted to talk about a little is just the whole idea of being able to go back, you know, and change things in your past. You know, it's kind of like turning left, turning right. I know there are a lot of times that you know, when I think back over my life, not necessarily things that I would change, but it's just amazing on the circumstances of certain events. That, you know, one thing leads to another, to another, to another, to another, to bring you to a certain point in time. I'm sorry. You know, I always think especially about when I first met uh, Lynn, who I married. Uh, you know, I was at uh, Michigan State University, and a friend of mine was going to this party. And I I really wasn't in that much of a mood. There was, Well, let's just say there was another girl that I had been seeing, and that had ended... And, oh, gee, it, a couple few weeks had gone have by, and I really wasn't nice ready to just like why, you know go out there and people. even be said, said sociable. Cheap, and uh, but for some reason that, that night, I just no, decided, no, you know, heck here. with it, I'm gonna go out and and you know just kind of have a little fun and doing this. And then obviously, I met Lynn at this party. And you know, of course, the rest, as they say, is is history. But if I hadn't made that choice, if I hadn't made that decision, You know, I always wonder, like, where would I be? What would my life be like? I had even been thinking of going to and switching from uh, that university to another one and moving to uh, even out of state. I was thinking about going to California and switching schools and just all kinds of things I was thinking about doing at that point in time. I just
8: couldn't make him understand. It's just,
2: you know, interesting to think about, you know, the decisions that you make if you hadn't made certain ones, where that would put you and what that would, you know, obviously there's (laughs) decisions that Picard is making in this episode that changed his life drastically. But it's, you know, I have to say, most things that I've done, I haven't really had any regrets. (laughs) Even mistakes that you make, you learn from them. But enough about me. Let's get back to the episode. You know,
8: keep smiling
2: at me now there's well, uh, I've just never uh, seen you like this a card and uh, Marta are together
0: you're so serious
2: do i really seem that different
0: maybe i'm just not used to seeing you in your officer's uniform no it's it's more than that you do seem different Well, I'm not... I'm not complaining or anything. I think it suits you. Really? Yes. It's very... attractive. Johnny... Haven't you ever thought about us... getting together?
8: I've thought about it for a long time.
0: Why didn't you ever say so?
8: I don't know. And at this moment. I really have no idea why not.
0: You said so now?
2: a lot more Kirk-like here. And now you come back after the interlude, and all the uniforms are on the floor, and well, we get the idea. And then somebody's like tickling Picard's ear in bed.
7: Morning, darling.
2: (laughs) It's it's Q, of course. Feeling a little
7: jumpy this morning perhaps I
8: don't feel guilty about anything Q no ah. we're just friends Q nothing more and we're still friends
7: so
2: what's next I don't know what I wanted to also mention is um the story premise for this a little bit came from uh, a guy that they had actually on the, the writing staff of TNG sort of forgotten about. Let me look up his uh, name here again. Um, but uh, uh, James Mooring. I guess uh, when they were first creating this story and pitching it and coming up with it, uh, when it was finally produced and out there, this guy wrote a letter to them. And said, "Hey, you know what? That was an idea I pitched like a lot of seasons ago." Johnny. And they eventually Paramount and everyone came through and compensated the guy for the story idea and everything. But uh, they, you know, they get so many pitches and so many story ideas. I can understand That's they funny. lose track of them a little bit. But uh, somebody had thought there yeah. was a pitch that had come in that was like this. This but is the morning after. Again, huh? it's um, James Mooring came up with this, I yeah. guess, original idea. I don't regret anything that happened last night.
8: I hope you don't regret it either. I don't...
0: I don't know. We've been friends for a long time, and... And now... I'm afraid we've ruined that friendship.
8: Then perhaps we should... forget about what happened, and uh, and try to...
0: I wish I could. It would make it much easier to say goodbye tomorrow. Um, oh. We're all supposed to um, get together later for our last big night out on the town before we all ship
8: out. I don't want you to do anything that would make you uncomfortable
0: we planned it I'll be there
7: well let's see you've managed to get slapped by one woman a drink thrown in your face by another and alienate your two best friends doing pretty well so far the only thing left to avoid is getting stabbed through the heart
2: I think it's important, too, one thing to think about here is, is just, you, know, you you make choices and make decisions in your life and you move forward. Um, having regrets and, and, and guilt over things is probably not a good idea, and it's, you know, you, you you learn from those things, and if you make mistakes, you go forward and you try well, not to make them again.
8: Here's to the class of '27.
2: So now the three of them are together, even though no one's really happy with the other. And the big Nosigen predator guys pop in. The three of them. These guys are pretty big, I'll tell you that. They uh, they really need. Clay,
3: Tom, Jot, Human. Give you a better chance. Give you a bigger stick, maybe. I don't think we're interested. They are Andari, cowards. <laughs> what did you say? Coward. Like all Starfleet, you talk and you talk, but you have no gramba. <laughs>
8: Why don't we find out? Hey, don't be a fool,
3: Collie. Look, there are plenty of other
8: people to play dumb junk with. Now just go about your business.
3: Maybe I play with her. Give her a good time. Auto <laughs> Starfleet. <laughs>
2: so Picard, uh, Corey was about to take a swing when they insulted the girl pushed him out of the way
8: I'm sorry cory he was reaching for a weapon i don't know who you are
6: anymore but you're not my friend
0: goodbye johnny
7: congratulations down you did it can i help you
2: can i help you mr picard now we flash to uh, on the enterprise and picard is in a green type uniform on the bridge
3: this is not for me you should take it to commander laforge in engineering what's happened there's something wrong i'm not sure mr wolf what is my rank and position you are Lieutenant Junior Grade, Assistant Astrophysics Officer.
8: Are you feeling all right? Who is the captain of this ship? Captain Thomas Holloway. Perhaps I should escort you to sickbay. No, I can find my own way there. Thank you, Commander.
2: So now we're, of course, seeing the Beverly, uh, altered future. Something has happened to future. I'm not sure...
7: What seems to be the trouble, Lieutenant Picard?
8: Q, what have you done? I've done exactly as I promised. I've returned you to the present. But this is not the present I remember. You said nothing would change. Nothing has changed, Jean-Luc. Well, you. Except for you.
7: But then again, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? To change the man you were in your youth. Well, you did it. This is the man you are today. And you should be happy. You have a real heart beating in your chest and you get to live out the rest of your life in safety, running tests, making analyses, and carrying reports to your superiors.
2: So again, you know, this change that Picard makes, this decision and not to fight the Nausikins has all obviously altered his whole future changed, you know, from a you know, probably just doesn't take as many chances, didn't advance as fast in the command track Excuse me, am I interrupting? Now he's intent Have a seat. Thank you.
8: I'd like to talk to you for a moment about my future on the Enterprise. Of course, Lieutenant. Jean-Luc, isn't it? Maybe I should go. No, please, Counselor, I would very much like to hear your thoughts. First of all, And I would like you to be absolutely straightforward with me. How would you evaluate me as an officer?
0: Well, um... Your performance records have always been good. You're thorough. Dedicated.
8: Steady. Reliable. Punctual. I see. What would you say if I told you that I believe that I was capable of being very much more. Perhaps we should discuss this at your next evaluation. I would appreciate it if we could discuss it now. You see, I feel that I would like to move beyond astrophysics to engineering or or security, something that might even lead to command. Frankly, Lieutenant, I don't think that's realistic.
0: Why? I really don't think this is the place to be discussing this. Please,
8: this is very important to me. I believe that I can do more.
0: (sighs) Hasn't that been the problem all along? Throughout your career, you've had lofty goals, but you've never been willing to do what's necessary to attain them.
8: Would that be your evaluation as well, Commander? I think I have to agree with the counselor. If you want to get ahead... You have to take chances, stand out in the crowd, get noticed. I see. Now, we don't want to lose you. You're a very good officer. Just not one who stands out. Why don't I talk to Commander LaForge in engineering and see what we can do? But command... Well, we'll see.
4: Senior officers, please report to the captain's ready room. Acknowledged.
0: We should talk about this later.
2: It's interesting conversation. I really liked it a lot. I've always kind of found no, it. Do, that's enough. You need. You do need point. to do that sometimes in jobs and in your career to. You know, if the you just sort of Lieutenant blend Picard, in, no one really does notice analysis. you. I've always had a hard time myself personally with that a little bit. I'm on my way. Sir. I always felt like if you did a good job, you should sort of be recognized, but it's not really the case. You, you really do need to sort of make a, make a name for yourself to. an degree. I've I've come to that uh, in the last five to ten Having years. Have laugh now, Q. Do that a little bit more myself. It's my, it
8: amuse you to think of my me job. Living out the uh, rest of my life not dreary really, man just go a it tedious kind of... job.
7: I gave you something most mortals never experience:
8: a second chance at life.
2: Now they're back into the now bright all you white can do light area. is
8: complain. I can't live out my days as that person. That man is bereft of passion and imagination.
7: That is not who I am. Au contraire. He's the person you wanted to be. One who was less arrogant and undisciplined in his youth. One who was less like me. The Jean-Luc Picard you wanted to be, the one who did not fight the Nausicaan, had quite a different career from the one you remember. That Picard never had a brush with death. Never came face to face with his own mortality. Never realized how fragile life is or how important each moment must be. So his life never came into focus. He drifted through much of his career with no plan or agenda, going from one assignment to the next.
2: It's a little hard never to believe, too, that Q could make, themselves. you know, everything else kind of stay the he same, the without Picard in command of the Enterprise. The I mean, just think of all the things that he's done, or Take charge of the, the Borg and, and all the missions they've gone on and, and everything and no that they've ever uh, achieved uh, wouldn't be the same without Picard. He learned so.
7: to play it safe, and he never, ever got noticed by
8: anyone. You're right, Q. You gave me the chance to change, and I took the opportunity. But I admit now, it was a mistake.
2: Now Picard is, uh... Are you
7: asking me for something, Jean-Luc? Trying Give me to get a chance to put
8: things back the way they were before. Another chance, or you obvious. died in sickbay. Is that what you want? I would rather die as the man I was than live the life I just saw.
2: very important statement.
3: Coward! Like all Starfleet, you talk and you talk, but you have no grumbar. What did you say? I said, you are a coward. That's what I thought you said. <laughs>
2: It's pretty much the only, uh, I think, the only one standing here at the end. Now, of course, he gets the knife, knife through the heart, and I th- you know this is interesting part here. He he's, he looks down and laughs, and, and it's like it was vital signs it was stable. important to almost. Predestined that he sent him back, that Q sent him, because it's like he expects it and he's happy about being stabbed.
3: You were injured,
0: but I think you're going to be (laughs) alright.
8: I don't know what to make of it. Was it a dream? Or was it one of Q's elaborate tricks? A lot of people who are near death have strange experiences, but I have never heard one so detailed. And, you know, there's still part of me that cannot accept that Q would give me a second chance, or that he would demonstrate so much compassion. And if it was Q, I owe him a debt of gratitude. In what sense? It sounds like he put you through hell. There are many parts of my youth that I'm not proud of. There were loose threads, untidy parts of me that I would like to remove. But when I pulled on one of those threads, it had unraveled the tapestry of my life. I was just trying to imagine hell-bent for leather, young officer, insulting a Nausicaan twice his size. I wish I had a chance to know that Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, well, to tell the truth, that wasn't the first run-in that I had with a couple of silly Nausicaans. Really? Oh, yes. During my sophomore year, I was assigned to training on and 7. Well, there was a Norsican outpost on one of the outlying asteroids, and
2: one day... have it, Tapestry, great sixth season episode of TNG, really uh, interesting, you know, different TV shows have done this kind of thing, they've done it in the movies, turn the music down here a bit, Uh, and it's, you know, this idea of you are what what you are because of everything that you've gone through in your life, if you change just a few little things even, or big things, it, it, it changes who you are. And I think that's—it's always an interesting concept, an interesting thing to do, uh, uh, both uh, you know, for entertainment and just when you sit around and kind of think about things. And uh, of course, there are, there are little things that you might want to do differently that probably wouldn't change who you are too much. Uh, you know, just uh, just being you know kind and opening a door for someone, and, and or letting someone out in traffic, you know, stuff like that. You know, just. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but I hope you enjoyed uh, this look at uh, the episode. Pap, tap, pap, uh, Time for some drink and a little break, I think, for Rico. Uh, but uh, I hope you enjoyed looking at Tapestry with me. We are now going to play the uh, Father and Son review. I, like I said, we had another Moyer segment here. This is their take on Tapestry and their opinion of it. Uh, so take it away, Moyers.
5: Hi, this is Rick. And this is Andrew. And this is the Father Father and and Son Review. Well, today I have my middle son, Andrew, with me. And uh, we got done watching Tapestry, the TNG episode uh, that you had up in the player on uh, and Sci-Fi. Thanks, Rico. And um, I really, really enjoy this episode. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, it was probably one of the better of the q episodes i thought so too you know what i liked about it? i liked how they had q on there but um he didn't throw him into the future he threw him into the past which was really really cool mm. and i like that it was fun what's some of your favorite parts of the episode do you remember well gotta love the Noskins. they're just huge and cool yeah, yeah they're cool looking mm-hmm. yeah i like that too the Noskins. what a what a cool name for a, a group they're very cool and then um what did you think about q as the delivery man that was rather entertaining lucky yeah when he said, said his name wrong that was hilarious <laughs> very very fun okay well in honor of the show, I put together a special little song so before we go into the song, um, how many stars would you give this episode of Tng Tapestry
2: uh, out of five maybe four and a half
5: Okay, I, I also would give it up to a four and a half because mm-hmm. it's one of the one of the best ones they did. I thought just because of all the different elements and the, you know, if you could go back and change things, would you? Mm-hmm. And of course, the moral of the story is he wouldn't change a thing because it made him who he was today, and that was kind of cool, huh? Yeah, it helps that he's he's still alive at the end too. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, here's a, a special little song I did for y'all. Um, it's to the tune of Pat Benatar's "Hit Me with Your Best Shot," and this is called. Humans playing Dom Jat, so enjoy and thanks Rico for everything you do at trex and sci-fi all
2: right, well, I just decided to dial that down i I, I kind of messed up there, I guess I didn't realize that he had done a uh, just the intro on the father and son review sorry about that i i I think it still worked out okay. you got to hear their take on the episode itself and her here just heard rick's song earlier in the podcast before we looked at tapestry so hey it was fun to hear from your other son too this week rick so thanks for that okay we are going rather long in this i'm going to skip a collectible review but we are going to now play the second uh part uh the answer segment to uh bear mccreary uh uh, discussion that uh, vartok started early in the podcast so take it away vartok
4: everyone, this is Far Talk again, with the answer to the question posed earlier, which was, out of 74 tracks comprising Seasons 1 through 3 CDs, what is unique about one of those tracks? Well, in the background, you are listening to Battlestar Sinastica, track 11 of Season 3. What makes this track different, I feel, is his use of a piano solo with a complete classical sound. This is not a track you expect to hear on a sci-fi television show. Now that we've been talking about Bear McCreary and his music, have you been paying attention to the soundtracks during recent episodes? I find myself listening a bit more carefully. I personally notice if the music is primarily percussion-based or if it has a musical theme. During the last episode, Revelations, I heard an exciting new theme as the excitement was building toward the end. Here is what Bear has to say about Revelations in his blog. My journey scoring Battlestar Galactica has been long and arduous, but intensely rewarding. I'm only now realizing how deeply it has affected me on both musical and personal levels. When I first watched the rough cut of Revelation a month ago, I suspected that scoring it would be another such experience, but I had no idea what was in store for Throughout my life, I've written only four pieces that redefined what I'm capable of. Compositions that stand above everything else I've ever done. Works that change the way I approach my craft. While these transformations are often painful, they are the growth that all artists strive for. I have written literally thousands of pieces. Some of them have been quite good, but only few were a struggle. I realized that for me, the process of writing comes in quick bursts of inspiration, followed by hours of orchestration and arrangement. Scoring Revolution brought about another turning point. I suffered for this music, and for no piece more so than the episode's climactic reveal of Earth, a work I call Diaspora Oratorio. I typically spend no more than a day composing the biggest cues for Battlestar Galactica, the oratorio took me a week. The entire series has been leading to the discovery of Earth and the music needed to match. And so, I threw myself into the darkness and was lost. I struggled, doubted, and erased. I threw out draft after draft, started over time and time again. I lost sleep. The process was more psychological than musical. I had to somehow escape the anxiety of topping myself and focus on the simple task of writing notes. On a very personal level, Diaspora Oratorio is easily my most significant musical achievement to date on Battlestar Galactica. Well, that's it for this Music and Sci-Fi segment. I hope everyone has enjoyed the Bear McCreary three-part segment. And now back to you, Rico.
2: Excellent, excellent work, uh, Vartok. I really have enjoyed uh, your, all your uh, segments, uh, all the music segments you've done, but these ones on Bear and his work on Battlestar Galactica have been especially interesting. It's just, I think I've said before, you know, the the thing I really enjoy about the, the music that he does for the show is, is like you've said a few times, it's just uh, so not typical, so atypical of uh, something you'd hear on a, on a sci-fi TV series. But it just also, at the same time, seems to suit the show so very well. You know, it, just, it really seems to fit, and uh, I, don't, I can't even imagine anything uh, different for the music for the show uh, that would work as well. It's, it's got that sort of, I don't know, mythical kind of element to it and, and just very different to sound, and uh, I, I highly enjoy it. I have to pick up all those CDs and, and get them on my iPod because it's, it's great stuff. So thanks again. Okay, gang and folks and people listening to Treks and Sci-Fi, I'm going to get out of here in a second. Uh this show ran rather long. I kind of th- said at the beginning it probably would and I kind of expected that. But I think uh it's been a good one and I've enjoyed talking about all the different segments and tapestry and you know, what your life would be if uh you had, you know, not, you know, done a certain thing in your earlier days or or whatever. And for the younger people listening, uh you've got a lot of those times ahead of you. So, uh anyway and even for people like uh, myself and others you know there's always the next day and the next weeks and months to come so lots of things and you know it's just uh, you know sometimes you can overthink a decision i i've uh you know i've also started to realize that you know sometimes your your best and first uh thoughts on things can be the correct ones you know sort of listen to yourself sometimes and And that, so um, and there's Rico's philosophy for the week. I guess Uh, that's about it. Uh, Next week we're going to do a little bit of a special show. We're going to have a uh, a special one. It's for the U.S. It's the Fourth of July weekend next weekend, and uh, I've been wanting to do another Star Wars related show for a while. And uh, Brian on the uh, forums brought this topic up again and I, I thought well i've thought about doing it for a while so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the uh the star wars radio drama npr uh did uh, a star wars radio drama for all three of the original trilogy movies uh, star wars a new hope or, uh, empire strikes back and return of the jedi and they did these uh well the the, the star wars one the a new hope and empire strikes back uh were done uh, a long time ago uh and uh, actually uh gosh, 20, 25 years at least or whatever. But the uh, Return of the Jedi came uh, quite a bit later than that. Anyway, I'm going to talk more about that next week. But next week's show, that's going to be the main topic. So if you know these NPR Star Wars radio dramas, please, please send in an audio comment uh, or even an email or a voicemail. But audio comments and, and voicemails would be best. And, you know, just record your thoughts on it for a few minutes. And uh, I've already got one from Brian that he sent in, and I'm hoping for some more. If you're a fan of these and you know these things, uh, please tell me what you think. And uh, I I think they're great, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun looking at them next week on the podcast. So until then, everyone, have a great week. Uh, Stay cool if it's hot wherever you're at. If it's blazing hot, I know, out west and in the southwest. And here we've had a lot of rain and and a lot of – it's been warmer but uh we've been boy we've been getting a lot of rain like every day so uh, but anyway uh I'll take care I will talk to everyone again uh next time bye bye for now
1: this has been a Rick Dasty podcast production